Welcome to the Storm Clouds of Dementia, where we share concrete day-to-day tips and guidance from our perspectives based on our personal experience and observations over the last decade. I'm Pam Ostrowski, Alzheimer's speaker, family consultant, and author of It's Not That Simple, Helping Families Navigate the Alzheimer's Journey. It's a guidebook filled with tips and guidance based on my mother's 14-year Alzheimer's journey from being fully functional through dementia and then finally through Alzheimer's. Today, I'd like to also introduce Tammy Luna, who is my partner in crime on this podcast. Tammy, tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm Tammy Luna, Certified Dementia Practitioner and Certified Placement and Referral Specialist with Options for Senior Living. We are here to assist families who are at a critical time in their life and need help navigating the senior living world. We're glad you're here. Let's get started with today's topic. Welcome to Episode 3, How to Handle Obstacles in Recognizing the Signs of Dementia. So thank you for joining us again. And in today's topic, uh, one of the things that Tammy and I talk about a lot is family members who, you know, really are not recognizing the signs of uh, dementia in a loved one. Mm -hmm. And where that really seems to be coming from is fear and resistance. Mm -hmm. And that's totally understandable. First of all, the, the first thing you can do is accept the fact that this is the future is scary, or it certainly can be. And we have fear about the unknown. And it's really important to get to know the things that you're most afraid of, understand them better. So it might be right. that you're concerned that, oh, my loved one is aging. And you know, that I wasn't, I, I'm just not ready for them to be in this situation. And you might not be ready financially, you might not be ready emotionally, but these things do happen and we know that they do. And so, you know, we'll talk a bit about preparing, but most importantly, become familiar with that fear and understand what this loved one is going through and yeah. understand what your options are. So rather than having the attitude of, well, if I just close my eyes, if I just resist, if I just right. push it off another month, that it won't happen. Have you seen that, Tammy? Absolutely. I see it all the time. Um, you know, often, oftentimes family usually, um, you know, tend to see their loved ones, uh, you know, maybe around the holidays, once or twice a year. Um, and so they don't see the everyday changes that are happening. With us doing um, in-person assessments and our one-on-one meeting with clients, we have the opportunity to see things um, on that level. And so sometimes we go into homes and that's that's why we like to do it the way we do is because we do go into homes and we can see their environment and their surroundings. And and then then you have to question um, what what are they what are they keeping to themselves? What are their motives to keep these changes from the families? And so you have to really dig deep into that. So what kind of do you have an example? I know I do. My dad was he was like, we're fine. You know, we've paid everything off. I'm not going to use my money to rent an apartment and we don't need it. And it was that he eventually admitted, you know, that, that this wasn't the way they planned it. He, he was the one who was supposed to go first because mm-hmm. she was younger. 
And, but he was scared to death because this was not in the plan. Right. Uh, right. You know, that happens all the time. It's like, well, I'm sorry, but when you get to this 65 and up age, the plan is probably going out the door with what you think should happen. And that's yeah. why we have to have documents in place. And we need to understand what options are out there for living arrangements and understand our finances better. So, so I know that was true of my dad. Do you have an example of where you've run into fear and resistance? Yeah. Um, I've, I've had several clients um, who, you know, they could, they could have a million dollars in the bank. They could have $4,000 in the bank, but it doesn't matter. They all still have that same fear. How am I going to pay for this? Mm -hmm. So that's the good thing about having a third party come in is we can sit down and actually work that out with them and say, listen, this is what it looks like now. This is what it's going to look like down the road um, and, and help them plan that. But they, there's still that, that, that fear and resistance. A perfect example I have is um, I'm working with a client and um, I was going to go over and do an assessment for her husband. And um, last minute she calls and cancels and I'm talking to her and I'm trying to figure out the reason. And she's really upset. And, you know, she kind of filled her husband in on everything that was going on. And he, 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 you know, he, he didn't know how to handle it. He doesn't know how to handle the fact that now his wife is having to um, take on the financial responsibility of figuring this out. And he's so he wasn't with dementia, right? So he's, he's the one with the dementia. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that just goes. And I told her, you know, from the beginning, you know, you don't need to, you don't need to give him all the details. I'm coming in as a friend a friend of the family where we don't need to talk financials. Mm -hmm. um, but it gives me the opportunity to kind of calm him um, and talk to him about what his fears are. Because, you know, if, if you're talking to somebody with dementia and you're talking directly to them and you talk to them about what, what are your fears and what are your goals now? Yes. What are your goals later? It makes them feel included. Yes. You know, it, it gives them that, that sense of dignity that you're talking to them and not at them. Right, exactly. Or behind them. You right. Know? And, and, but, but as we'll talk about in the next session about having the talk, it's really important both to engage them, but also to make these communications uh, in, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, consumable bites. Mm -hmm. It's not, here's the 5 million things that we need to do. We need to no. do a will, a trust, you know, no. a durable power of attorney, a healthcare power of attorney. And we need to go look at living options. And this woman's coming over to do an assessment. And then we're going to do this. I mean, that you lost them at, we need to. Oh yeah. You lost them at the very beginning. You exactly. can't. Exactly. So, so to know what to you know, say we'll talk about that in the next episode for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly. So the, the challenge with fear and resistance, because our audience may be saying, well, you know, of course we have fear and resistance. What's the big deal? Well, there's a difference between having a fear and then denying the situation that you're in. And as a result, delaying action. And to me, that is my <laughs> biggest fear for you as my audience, that uh, you, with delay comes a lot of exposure risk. Yeah. And yeah. the reason is because when we deny that the situation, this loved one is having memory issues, we should probably start to get the ball rolling. A perfect example of delaying for too long was when, and we didn't really have a choice in this case, but it, right. it was too long, was that when my mom uh, went uh, into the hospital with colon cancer 
And then dad's like, well, we probably need to modify some of our paperwork with the lawyer before this gets too much, you know, because when she came out of it, you know, she still had that anesthesia fuzzy brain. Yeah. But she was, she was really not doing that well. So when we went to the lawyer, by the time we got to the lawyer again to modify the documents, she could barely sign her name. And right. that's one of the big lawyer checks, you know, verification that you're able mm-hmm. to represent yourself is that you actually are able to sign your name. So that was a, you know, I just looked at dad and thought, oh my gosh, we just, we just slid in under the, the, the bar because if we, if she hadn't been able to sign it, I'm not sure what happens next. So that denial creates delay in doing things. And, you know, I'm sure you run into that with, uh, with, with your clients or your prospects, yeah. because they're, they're, they're saying, oh, well, you know what, thanks, but I think we're going to think about it. And it's like, well, if they fall and there's a problem, mm-hmm. um, they, now they're, you know, you're in crisis mode on a weekend. That's, like, yes. So what, what example do word. you have of that? Tell me more about what you've experienced. Yeah. You just took that word right out of my mouth. We call that crisis mode. Mm-hmm. It's another thing that we see, we see very often. Um, you know, from time to time we, I get families and they, you know, they'll, they'll apologize for, um, you know, taking the steps too early. You know, we're not ready to do anything for about six months to a year. And Which for is me, not early. that's not early. <laughs> that, like, have you seen the wait list yes. at some of these care communities? <laughs> yes, that is not early. And that is, I love that because now you're, you're, you're taking the steps to plan ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in crisis mode, uh, we get a lot of this. Um, the wife has fallen, um, the husband has dementia, you know, I talked about this in one of our other podcasts, um, and and now they're both in trouble and now they're in crisis mode. Um, when you're in crisis mode, you don't have the ability to now be part of the decision-making. The decision-making is now made for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can plan ahead and do this beforehand, now you get to, now you get to be part of the decision. I have a client that I'm working with as well right now, and we just toured this week him and his wife are both in their nineties, but, um, he, he has no cognitive issues and she has the beginning stages of dementia. Mm. And, um, we toured and he said, okay, I'm gonna go home and talk to my wife about this. And his son and myself, we both looked at him. We said, no, you're not <laughs> You're going to make this decision and you're going to, you're going to make this decision soon. Um, we're not going to put a time on it, but we want you to start thinking about it. And he said, well, I really, you know, want her input. And, uh, his son told him, you know, dad, you can get her input all you want. And I know that's what you want, but unfortunately you're not going to get it from her um, because everything you're saying to her is only going to upset her. And then she's not going to remember. And then she's just going to be upset and you have to deal with, with, with what's coming next with that. Um, And so he said, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I told him, I said, you know, the last thing you want to do is prolong the inevitable and what's going on in the situation and then something happened to you, you know, he's pretty unsteady on his feet as well. Um, Physically, he has some challenges, but mentally, he's pretty good. Um, So I said, the last thing you want to do is, is, um, you know, you're taking care of your wife, and and you happen to have a fall, you end up in the hospital. Now your sons have to make that decision for you, you don't, you don't get to make this a decision on where you guys go now at this point. So um, that's just a good example of, of not waiting until there's a crisis. Right, exactly. And that's a, that's a fantastic example. And, you know, it's interesting because you can see that there's resistance on his part, right? Because, you know, I want to involve my, my dad was the same way. Well, mom, you know, what do you think? 
And (laughs) because I I understand it is important for you to involve, as we said at the very beginning, involve your loved one. But there you again, you have to control the amount of information, which is why we're, you know, certified in dementia education and keep it simple. Exactly. We're, we're, we're certified to help you have these conversations because, and, and I've lived that journey and, you know, being able to say, you know, let's take mom on the tours with us because she was at a point where she could walk around and look sure, at things. And sure. I would say, do you, and I would keep it simple. Do you like this one? Do you like this, this, this house? Do you like this apartment? Oh yes. And now oh, she said that <laughs> on all of them. To which, all of them. Yes. Which is really cute, but it also says she doesn't know the difference between them because she doesn't remember the last one. Right. So, but, but the other interesting thing that you brought out there is that, when he he wanted to involve her, but then on the flip side of it, he's not thinking about he's a, the, the critical point of, of care. And mm-hmm. so if that, like you said, anything happened to him. So it, it's just it's just one of those things where it's always better to do your research earlier on, especially for your loved one, because if you wait too long, then they don't get to participate or they don't, they get scared when you make the move. Right. Because if they, if you, if you'd done it three months or six months before, they might've been more cognizant of the move and moved and, you know, been able to be more engaged during the move so that it wouldn't be so scary as the cognitive impairment increases moving someone when they're in, you know, like a a mid-stage Alzheimer's is very scary to them. They're like, they don't understand what's going on and you get more pushback from them. And so one of my concerns is that migration, that transition period from, okay, we've made the decision, then the move. And then that first 60 to 90 days of the loved one, actually how they integrate. And then also, frankly, how the family member integrates, but we'll talk about that another time. Yeah. Yeah. Dementia doesn't do well with change. Um, Dementia and change do not go hand in hand and they actually offset each other. Mm -hmm. So you have to eliminate as much change as possible. And so I always tell my clients, you know, what the the question they ask is, should I bring my partner, the one with the dementia? Mm -hmm. And I says, well, you know, that that's kind of, you know, your wife, your husband, spouse. So it really depends on where they're at in their stage of dementia. Right. Um, Right. You know, somebody that's at the very beginning stages, like you said, yes, you know, maybe they can, you know, we're just going to go, you know, hang out for the day and look at, look at some places. They don't need to say what kind of place it is. They're just going to hang out with their spouse for the day. Yeah. But yes, that the the change factor is is big, um, and there's always that adjustment period. So when you do decide to make the move, another thing I tell tell my clients is that you need to understand this transition is not going to be easy, and you're probably going to see things that you haven't seen yet in this dementia journey that you're on, mm-hmm. um, and it might scare you a little bit right. because they will. It usually takes, uh, you know, minimum two weeks, but we're seeing it, you know, up to six weeks for somebody with dementia. Well, really and it can adjust. be forever. I mean, oh we, yeah, we're not, we really don't have a, a way to know how they will accept uh, this kind of change. But the bottom line is, is that they need that care. That there's too many vulnerabilities in the care strategy. But we digress. That we'll we'll make sure we get you more information about what we're talking about. We'll actually do an episode on it yes. about that transitionary period. And and uh, I think our our listeners would appreciate that. Now, what uh, another dynamic that I've seen happen is 
the loved one hides their symptoms. So Mm -hmm. the family and friends think everything's fine. And uh, did you know that there's, and I'm trying to think of the statistic, specific statistic, I'll put them in the show notes, but the, that women in general are diagnosed in mid-stage Alzheimer's as opposed to early stage Yes, because yes. women can fake it better than men. That's right. Imagine <laughs> that. Yeah, go figure. Uh, so, <laughs> so fake it till you the, make it. <laughs> yes. And, and so because we have uh, tend to be more communicative and more engaged and that type of thing, we have a lot more go-to language and phraseology than men do. And so it's very easy for and my mom, honest to God, she had she had a dozen phrases. And my dad did not pick up on the fact that she was using the same phrases. Right. And say, you know, mom, how are you today? And she, oh, I'm fine. I'm how fine. are you? Mm-hmm. Which was the first one. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, what did you have for dinner? Oh, I'm sure it was wonderful. You know, dad fixed it. Right. And so you're yeah. sitting there going, you know, you're really not saying anything, are you? So then, you know, I would ask her a very specific question. And of course, she'd just say, I don't know, is it really important? And, you know, so she, mm-hmm. she, she had the phrase to brush something off. Like, I don't remember that, but I'm not going to admit I don't remember it. And so when they hide those symptoms, a lot of my clients say, well, what's going on? Why would they do that? And I say, well, there's a, there's a couple of reasons. One is they're scared to death right now. Right. If you take anything away from this podcast, um, the fact that this person with dementia is, they know what's happening, that there's, there's something wrong. Their memory mm-hmm. isn't working. They're not functioning like they used to. They're not able to remember things and they're very frustrated and they're very fearful. So think about that for a second, when you're communicating with them, how important it is for you to be calm, tender, loving, and, and sensitive to the fact that this person is, is very volatile right now because they're scared to death. And so they hide their symptoms because they don't want to be judged because there's definitely a stigma associated with dementia uh, and it's unfortunate, but we just pass it off. Like, Oh, he's just got Alzheimer's. And I was like, really? That is not, you should not throw that term around. Like, no, not at all. And, not at all. and so, you know, one of the other things that I heard from my support group was that uh, the individual wanted to stay home a lot. I don't, you know, she used to be out, you know, go out everywhere with the family and go play games and go to the activity center. And, and then as, as her dementia started to really impact her life mm-hmm. more, she stayed at home. She right. said, you know what? I, you know, and then when they would have family would have conversations, she'd just be quiet because that way you don't tip your hand that you don't remember that you can't remember words or that you can't remember what happened or you start making stuff up, which people then say, that's not the way it happened. And they get argumentative and, yeah. and, and you're just sitting there, you know, so, so we have to really take into account what, why, why this is an obstacle for family members and friends is that this individual is coming from fear and frustration and they're hiding things and you really have to start probing to find out, you know, Hey, are you just like faking it here? You know, let, let's right. see what, what, what state your mind really is in so that you can get prepared sooner than later. So what have you seen in that particular situation about the loved one, maybe hiding their symptoms? So there's also an embarrassment factor there. You know, it, it's, it's kind of like, it takes me back to when, when my kids are potty training, right? You know, they, they hide it. You know, if they have an accident, they hide it. 
And so, um, you know, I, I've seen that in, in a perfect example. So I have a couple of different examples on that is a good friend of mine. Her dad was diagnosed and, um, you know, thankfully he's still at home. And she said, Tammy, I don't understand why, you know, my dad can go to the bathroom on his own. She said, but, you know, he comes out of the bathroom. We think everything's fine. He sits back down on the couch and they go in to use the bathroom and they see that there's, you know, a, 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 a soiled underwear in the garbage. Right. Yeah. And, you know, there's some mess, you know, around where you could see he was trying to trying to clean himself up and, and yeah. made some mess. But he doesn't come out and say that he comes out as if everything's fine. So that right. goes back into that fear, the hiding of things. And maybe there's like an embarrassment factor there. Right. Yes. Yeah. And and so I do see that often. Another example, this one kind of broke my heart a little bit. I was on, I was on a tour with a husband and wife. Husband was having a really hard time accepting the fact that his wife has dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, although she was still at the beginning stages, she was having quite a bit of sundowners going on. So he had a bit of a challenge at night and uh, he thought for sure he could bring her on these tours. And um, I met them in the parking lot, helped, helped him get her out of the car and she, she kind of just stood there for a minute and, you know, he's getting angry and agitated and come on, Betty, let's go. Let's, let's get in there. We got to get these done. Oh boy. And she's just kind of just standing there. So my, my instincts kicked in and I'm like, okay, something's not right here. And I, so I said, I said, you go on, go inside, let them know that we're here. I'll, I'll stay out here with Betty. So we stood there for a minute and, and, and we just kind of chit chatted. And um, then I realized she had an accident. Um, she didn't want to move. She, she, I mean, she literally just stood in the same spot. She didn't want to move. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, Betty, give me a second. So I called the community that we were at. I said, Hey, can you send me out some underwear? And if, see if you have another pair of pants, she looks like she's probably a size small. Mm-hmm. So they did that. And I said, okay, Betty, I have everything we need. Let's go right into the bathroom. It's right at the entrance. She was super fearful, didn't want to do it. We finally got inside. I got her cleaned up, got her changed. And she walked around the community like nothing had ever happened. Right. But nobody knew anything happened. Her husband didn't know what was going on. Um, so we just kind of just, you know, you just have to kind of roll with the punches and what's, ha- what's happening mm-hmm. and um, make that person feel secure. Oh. So um, that, that, was a, that was a very fun day for me to kind of just put myself in her position because, you know, like I said, I've seen that with my kids a million times, you know, they have an accident and they kind of just freeze. Um, you know, what do we do? You know, I don't want to move because then everybody's going to know I had an accident. So I'm just going to stand here. Um, and so, so that day to really put myself in her position, it, it broke my heart, but I was, I'm glad I was there to help her with right, that. Right. And she was lucky to have you there. Cause who knows what would have happened. Otherwise. I know. I know. So, so we have a episode four coming up after this one about having the talk. So I think, you know, we, we're looking forward to everyone participating. Did you have any closing comments? Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for listening to episode number three, how to handle obstacles and recognizing the signs of dementia. We look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Number four, are you ready to have the talk with your aging loved one? We'll see you soon.